Hey everybody, Clint Fosley here, your host of the Broker.life podcast and welcome to podcast nine with Megan Holgate. This is a podcast that's near and dear to my heart because we talk about all about narcissism and narcissists and the effect it has on your relationship, but also how to you know, sort of unravel yourself from a narcissistic relationship. Uh, Megan is the author of two books, um, the first one being um, How to Divorce a Narcissist and Not Get Screwed, and the second one, and the one we talk about today, which is more specifically um, focused towards men, which is she's not a bitch, she's just a narcissist, which I have read, and it's really, really a great um, read. Um, so in this, you know, in this podcast, we just understand a little bit more about Megan and how she got to the space, as well as run through the book and, and sort of at a very high level, which is sort of understanding what a narcissist is and how to spot those early signs, uh, preparing for Armageddon, as Megan refers to it, in terms of how to leave the relationship, and then obviously trying to uh, get your life back together once you've unraveled yourself from a narcissistic relationship and very key not repeat the same patterns and end up with the same kind of person. Um, Please, you know, keep sharing, please keep subscribing, please keep sending comments. I really, really appreciate all the positive feedback and all the show notes and everything we link will either be in iTunes, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to it or broco.life forward slash podcast nine. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. and welcome to the, I think it's the ninth, ninth edition of the Brocode.life podcast and I with me today I've got Megan Holgate. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. For those who have watched it, uh, we are in Sydney today, um, in, up in North Sydney uh, and I for once, you probably can't see in the camera, I actually have long pants on for once and I'm actually wearing shoes, <laughs> which I think is the first podcast. <laughs> no I've, shorts. No, no shorts and I'm generally barefoot because I'm at home so it's a bit cold in Sydney today. So. Megan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's it's one, as I said, you're very excited about because I think it's going to go long. Um, we're talking all about narcissism mm -hmm. and narcissistic people. Mm. Uh, before we get into the depths and breadths of that, uh, what I love to do in every podcast is just to get understand who you are, where you're from, a bit of your life story in terms of your early days. And, you know, so just off you go. Welcome okay. again. Thank you. Um, so I grew up in Sydney. I grew up in Coogee Beach, which is two beaches south of Bondi. Um, I had a quintessential, um, amazing upbringing. Private school girl, private school. We had um, a beach house at the Gold Coast. Nice. We had a farm, ponies. My parents worked very hard to give us everything. Um, just a very normal childhood. And um, I fell in love very young. Yep. 22. Moved to London. Um, in Australia? In Australia, in Sydney. Um, just swept off my feet. And uh, he was from, he, we were both in the financial markets. Um, I didn't go to university. I went from school um, to work as a secretary, but I was very ambitious and I was very good with mathematics. So I worked like a dog and became a money market trader for a Is, Japanese bank. Was this in London or? This yeah. was here yeah, in Sydney. Okay. And when I met him, my um, husband-to-be, he was um, probably the youngest financial controller in this country at the time. He worked for a, one of the most prestigious merchant banks. They promoted him at 28 to go to London. 
So we went to America for holiday and then I ended up in London. Um, with him? With him two months later. <laughs> and did you get married then or? Uh, no, we uh, were engaged 18 months later okay. in a chateau in France with swans going past. As you do. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then we came home to Australia to get married yep. to be, um, had a beautiful wedding in Sydney, um, black tie at a racing, beautiful upmarket. My father was a bookmaker. Okay. So very into racing. So we had a very lovely wedding and our honeymoon was at the Gold Coast at the beach house. Yep. And then we had a belated honeymoon in Kenya. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Get some good uh, good game viewing. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. And then we had um, three amazing years in London, but then he really rocked up the corporate ladder, like just supersonic speed. Yep. And by 31, we're in Hong Kong. Triple D salary was on seven figures. And there's um, not much tax in Hong Kong by... 15%. Wow. And then you get your salary again at 15%. So you basically get two salaries. As a, as a sort of 13th check or... No, no, no. You get your entire year's salary as a bonus. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you set yourself <laughs> up for life. And I'll be in Hong Kong at the next recording. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we had an amazing time in Hong Kong and I work for um, financial giant Reuters. Yep. I was were a, they Thomas Reuters at the time? Or were they no, just Reuters? No, they were Reuters. So I was headhunted from the markets to go and work for them, yep. which was fantastic because his career always came first. Um, I'm secondary and that was fine. And then I had amazing few years in um, Hong Kong, um, Expat Life, Limousines, Concord, you know, you name it, planned. And we had our beautiful baby girl. And then eight weeks later, it was over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was done. And when you say over, just the marriage, he, I was dismissed. Basically. You were dismissed, okay, and and hence the whole narcissist. Well, I didn't know Did at not, the not, time. Okay. No, no, it took me a very, very long time to mm. understand all that. I basically was told that you know he still loved me, but was not attracted to me. And could I get on a plane to Australia that night so he could work himself out? Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. And and you had your daughter at the time? Yes. Okay. How yes. old was she again? Eight weeks eight, old. Eight weeks old. And then you came back to Sydney I by came yourself. back to Sydney. Yep. And we went and saw a therapist because, of course, he wanted to kill himself to take the onus off me. He wasn't going to kill himself. That's what narcissists do. They yep. may, they just, it's all about them. Basically got on the plane when I found out many months later. He got on the plane, went to the Caribbean with his boyfriend. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. As you do, as yeah. you do. Okay. Now, when you when you obviously you know someone who's been through a divorce and and been through infidelity as well, you know that it, it takes a couple of years, right, to to sort of unravel from all, all of that. I mean, it can with, take a lot longer if that, you don't have the right people. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. So with an eight week old, how were you just in a state of survival mode at that Absolutely. time? Absolutely. And it's a real shame because I only had. Her. I didn't yep. have any other children. So instead of having this amazing experience with, you know, all my friends were in Hong Kong, my my group that I had baby, you know, classes with, um, my colleagues were all in Hong Kong. Instead, I was isolated back living in my family home. Wow. Because our family home was actually in London. So nothing was, you know, of mine. So basically I used to get up every morning and just do a routine every day just to survive the day. Yeah, I and, understand that. Yeah. And, and the, the whole divorce thing happened straight away? Was it pretty... No, no, no. He, he led me on for six months. Yep. He said he was working on himself to sort it out and I adored him. 
you know, I was so young and naive and um, I just wanted the marriage back. So I, you know, let him go. But he was just sorting out our finances to ship, you know, the majority of it into offshore bank accounts. And we're talking 20 years ago, so we're yeah. talking Swiss bank accounts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as traceable as today. Exactly. So then um, when it was over and I realised, I went to the lawyer and he said basically I was screwed. You had nothing more. I did have something, you yeah. know, and you know, I I worked very hard and I earned a lot of money in yeah. a very short amount of time. So I had a little house here in Sydney, which some people never have in their entire lifetime, but I worked for that. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people on the outside just think, you know, what does she complain about? <laughs> but yeah. that was my money, you know. Absolutely. And, and it made a difference on the life that my daughter and I had moving forward. Because I should have been able to pick and choose my my roles and be there for her more, whereas I couldn't. Yep. No, it's the um, grindstone. Yeah. And how did it work? I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm assuming the law hasn't changed that much, but seeing that you were based in Hong Kong, but did no, you get this, divorced, Jerry? I mean, is that yeah. quite a key point, right? Oh, it's such a key point and such a sore point even <laughs> to this day. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, give me a drink. Um, because we were domiciled mainly in London, and that's where our home was, so my lawyer should have filed directly then and there for divorce in London. I would have gotten an extra 20 30%. Not only the domicile, but also they had at-fault divorce in those days. Okay. And, oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it cleaned up. So just, just to clarify the at-fault <laughs> divorce, which is a key point for those who don't know um i think is it still around no so my understanding is it's a zero fault blame so yeah. if, if one partner has mm. an affair or you know goes out of their way to end a marriage it, it actually doesn't matter when who it comes cares? to the court the court exactly. doesn't care so exactly. which for me was always the sore point was because you know the courts will financially hold you to a legal contract when it comes to sharing your money but if you breach that contract by having an affair then they actually don't care I know. and to me i was like well that doesn't really work does it I know. Yeah. So, so in the divorce, it got so, this is the thing that really, you know, just shocked me. Not only once I realized it was over, well, let's be fair about it. We have a beautiful daughter we have to raise. You know, you just look after me. You've got the still fantastic job. You've got the seven figure salary. My salary went, I was earning 300 grand, 28. Wow. It went down to about 50 because I chose only to work three days a week. But still, I was in the office at sometimes 5 a.m. in the morning because you're a trader. So, you, you know, on a Monday morning, you have to be on the desk at 5 a.m. So I had to have nannies, childcare. Which in Australia is not cheap. So expensive, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, but I did the three days just to keep my foot in the door. But she was a very sensitive little thing. So if I was back at work, I could have got the 300 grand back in that five days a week but i wouldn't have seen her so what's the point of having a child so i had to sacrifice my career so that's what i did so i guess the question is how, how long okay before we get into the narcissism thing which is obviously why we're here but how long did that whole divorce procedure take i mean was it a drawn-out thing well, no, because it would have been if I had kept fighting. But, yeah. of course, he was so clever and he did the usual um, give give me the pathetic little investment property we had and he keeps everything. And if not, he'll fight me with everything. He'll fight custody for her. He'll insist on her living in Hong Kong because under the Hague Convention, he still could do that. Um, and he'll commit me to a mental institution because I'm crazy. 
And he was, I watched him get rid of colleagues over, like, over and over again. So I knew whatever he set out to do, he would do. You would achieve that, yeah. So, and my father was very self-made millionaire, but not an educated one, like not a corporate guy. So he was kind of a bit in fear of him too. So he said, just take whatever he wants to offer you, tell him to go away because we've got money, we don't need him, and you've got the prize, you've got your daughter. Exactly right. So that's what I did. So narcissism. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll get into your books and and the (laughs) the new book you've just released, which I've pre-read, which is amazing. So well done on that. Thank you. But I distinctly remember the day I found out about narcissism. And the best way I can explain it is I walked around for at least six months, shaking my head as if my head was going to fall off because everything finally made sense. I could find it's like the penny. The domino. Yeah, it's domino. Like, it just goes. Duh, 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 duh. Everything makes sense. Because I couldn't, I could never. I mean, I, you know, for those who know my backstory, if you haven't listened to the first podcast, I don't want to go back into it. But nothing ever made sense. But when I understood narcissism and the behavior and what I was dealing with, I was like, oh shit, this is just so simple. We, the question is, we're in a modern era now with Instagram and social media, where narcissism gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Going back twenty years, mm. how how long did it actually take you uh, to understand what you were dealing with? Well, I'll t- I'll, I'll be honest here. Too many years, and this yeah. is the whole reason I wrote my first book because I lived in a fog for probably about fifteen years. Now I was paying one of Sydney's top psychologists. When I got off that plane, I used to see this psychologist. We're talking nineteen ninety five, and I was paying like three hundred dollars a session. Wow. Right, never, ever, ever mention narcissism, and this was going on for years. And I used to question, like, because he used to, even after the divorce was over, just constant things that you know, it just you I can't know. work out. <laughs> and you just think, you know, eventually I sacked her, and then I found this amazing psychologist who transformed my life. Mm. And what I realized in that whole time, I was living a half life in every area who I was dating, my career, because I still had him in my head. I hadn't got rid of, basically you brainwashed in a way. Very much, you're very conditioned, right? Conditioned, and just everything you kind of do, you, um, whereas the minute I sat down with this guy in the first half an hour, it's like, oh my God, everything (laughs) makes sense. You know, I had headhunters after me and I just say no, like I can't do that job. Well, yes, I could. So from the moment that I doubled yeah. my salary, yeah. I dumped the guy I was dating, uh, you know, just everything. It was, and that's, <laughs> I just think, and that fog, people don't realise that they're in this fog and they keep dating narcissists. Like, I'll be honest, I married another one. Did you? Oh, wow, I didn't realise yeah. that. Okay, well, well done. I don't really talk about it. <laughs> Not, I dated a few because the family's very litigious and I don't want any more litigation. <laughs> I dated a few until I figured it out. Yeah. So, but but that's okay. So I mean, I, I do want to get into your book, but let's just talk about our personal stuff here. While we're on it, is that for me? Once I understood narcissism, I was like, I've always prided myself in being an intuitive person, can read people, blah 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 blah, one hundred percent under her spell. Very very, I used myself obedient, very obedient, very submissive, very opposite of who I actually am as a person, but. What I came to realize for me mm. um, was that my mom was a narcissist. 
And, you know, actually one of the modules I've got in my course is don't tell me I've got mommy and daddy issues. Um, but it was, it was, it was so glaringly obvious to me from the environment that I grew up in. Yeah. I mean, my parents, when I chose to stay in my marriage after my ex's first affair, my parents discarded me. Oh, like, I would have thought they pushed it because narcissists want the appearance of everything to be. No, no, they perfect. wanted me. No, they wanted me to walk away, and then oh. I didn't, and then they pushed me away, and they both died. Didn't. No, not a, not a single word, right? But I was used to that discarding behavior, and you know the whole. And that just made sense as to why I attracted the exact same human into my life. Anything similar for you? Oh, yeah, my mother. Okay. And it's very, in my first book, um, I did write my first book more. I tried to make it, you know, for men and women, but it was just I was speaking to women because the majority of people I dealt with were women. Um, A few men, but mainly women. And it's 90% our mothers are narcissists. Um. You know, if you have just, you know, been at a very weak time, but all women, their mums are all not. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Whereas with men, um, some mothers, some fathers, yeah. and some were just severely duped and they had a lovely, you know, a perfect home life, but just these beautiful women came along and were all shiny and, <laughs> and um, you know, and do the very quick to expedite the relationship. Yep. And, and get you, you know, up the aisle basically in five minutes and then they show their true colours. Indeed. So how did you transition from financial advisor, trader, into the space of helping people? Oh, okay. So my beautiful daughter, when she was 19, so she's 24 now, five years ago, um, at the first end of first year of university, I knew something was terribly wrong. She'd been seeing a psychologist that year and, Basically, she didn't want to keep living. Wow. Yeah, and she's a gorgeous, intelligent, perfect, you know, just specimen of a human being inside and out. So in my despair, I found this, um, basically kept her in a room, went online. We called all these rehabs around the world, Betty Ford, anything, you name it. And I found this one in Byron Bay, probably about the most expensive in the world. As you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, my father had just passed away and I just inherited some money. So who needs, um, you know, money when you're losing your daughter? So we basically called up, booked her on a plane and we went up there and I had this image that she was going to come out seven weeks later cured from Mm -hmm. whatever was going on. Um, It was the beginning of a four and a half year journey. Wow. So I sold my house, quit my corporate life, moved to Byron and just sent this child has to get better. She's, I'm not going to lose her. Yeah. And how's she doing now? She's great. Okay. She's, um, she's about to have a book published on this. Okay. Wow. She was my little light. Um, so while I was in Byron, of course I was there mainly to support her, but I always wanted to help. When I was in that divorce lawyer's office and he told me I was screwed and I agreed to getting this property i knew in every cell of my body that it was so wrong and i thought one day i'm going to help someone i thought i want to do that now so i um studied to be a life coach and i knew i just wanted to help women in divorce and the first people that came to me were men (laughs) it was quite strange and it was just a really slow thing i wasn't doing it to make money or anything like that and then i wrote a blog on narcissists and it was like 
my inbox is like a poker machine. <laughs> it just went kind of viral. <laughs> and then I thought that's what I want to write about. Yeah. And then I just sl- slowly, because most of my time in Byron was just, you know, look, supporting her and looking after her. And, and just this business has kind of evolved out over the last four years. And um, we've returned to Sydney as she'll have her book published and, you know, life in Sydney. And I've gone back to, um, you know, bit more of a um, um, not so much what I was doing up there. It's more yep. about me now. Yep. And um, it's kind of really starting to take off. So let's talk about your first book. Okay. It's called How to Divorce a Narcissist. <laughs> and, and not, not get, get fucked. Sorry, this is explicit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we often have beers when we record, so there's some words slip out. Yeah. Um, how was it writing a book, right? I mean, as just as a, as a <clears throat> process, what was that like? Oh, fabulous. I love writing and I've I started to write. Um, I've written a memoir and I started to write that basically the week my ex-husband died in 2007 um, because I just had to get it out and that's yep. my life story, mm-hmm. which will be published after my daughter's book. Yep. Um, this book was like a how-to because I have so many men and women contact me daily um, but they can't afford coaching, but they need help. And I'm a single mum. And I'm not a charity. If I was a billionaire, I'd help everyone, but I'm not. Yep. So I thought if I can write a book and offer it for $20, everyone has $20. Yeah. If you really want to help yourself. Absolutely. And so that's what I do. And did you self-publish it or how does that whole thing work? I've totally self-published because my daughter has got a literary agent and she's the real deal. Yeah. And she's amazing. And I've seen how hard it is for her. So I just thought... I just want this on my website, yep. get it going. Um, I'm about to put that one on Amazon and my other one. I just thought I just want it out there. Yep. I don't need to have a publisher. I just need the information there. I have never paid for a cent of advertising um, and people find me. They go to my website. Brilliant. Yeah. And how was the response of that book? Um, the response was okay. It wasn't like I was, you know, um, run down by the horses but over time it's gained momentum yeah. and as people I think it gives people trust so if they find me and then they read the book then they think oh yeah she knows what she's talking about yeah for sure and you know I have people at least every six months say you've saved my life that's I mean we, we spoke about that briefly yeah. off camera someone yes was it today or yesterday yesterday already just like she truly, I, I know I saved her life. It's amazing. Yeah, like she was, you know, she understands um, conceptually that her husband not is violent, violent, but she's left and he's coming to realise that she's not coming back. Yeah. And he wants all the money. So he'll do whatever to keep the money. And she's understanding that. <laughs> and when I got through to her that... Um, you know, the Alison Baden Clay Foundation. Alison was killed from her husband. He's a narcissist. So they will go to extreme lengths. Yeah. And he was never violent. That's crazy. Yeah. So so you said that first book was obviously from a woman's perspective. Yes. And I know when we, when we I think when we first spoke yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago, you a said tsunami. all the guys were like, hey, what about us? What about us? Which yeah. obviously leads us. Yeah. to your latest book yes which is what the main the main reason we're here today yes she's a narcissist she's not a bitch she's, <laughs> she's a, a narcissist. narcissist 
which I think was an amazing title. Gee, I felt a bit kind of um, <laughs> naughty, but it's it's just true. You know, I'm a feminist. I have never had a man look after me financially. Yep. I'm just always, you know, I pay my way and I'm such like my daughter is like that. Like I've raised her that, you know, she has her own money and she will look after herself moving forward. No man is ever going to care for you. Um, but the title had to be the title. <laughs> I think it's great. Right? I mean, the, the what's it, the subtle art of not giving a fuck as well. Yeah, yeah, Started yeah. that trend and it's it's yeah. a good book. I've, I've read it as well. Because if she was a bitch, you'd be lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you pray, you would actually <laughs> be a lot easier. <laughs> like, and I, I think it's like, you know, I've got a course that I'm about to put on my website. It's, it's titled How to Divorce a Narcissist and Win. Yeah. Now, that's a really bad thing to most people because when you go into divorce, it should be just an amicable discussion. But with a narcissist, it's not. It's they have to win. So the people I speak to are on the opposite side, so I'm helping them win. Yeah. So it's... Oh, and you get made to feel guilty for everything, right? If it's, yeah, it's, it's your even, fault. It's, <laughs> <laughs> if they had an affair, it's your fault. <laughs> you, you know, you didn't get rid of your baby weight quick uh, enough, or you're not buff enough, or you haven't earned, you haven't bought enough money home, Clint. Come on! I, I've I've uh, I had this conversation with one of my friends yesterday uh, about my narcissist, and I said I have made absolute peace. That is 100% always my fault. Yeah. And it's just, it just is, everything's going to be my fault. Did you I'm, think you were the narcissist for a while? Um, I I vaguely questioned it. I did vaguely question it. Yes. Um, but, but now I'm convinced I'm, yeah. but, it, but yeah, I'm just, but when you say that, I'm just like, everything's going to be my fault and it is what it is. It's just a coping mechanism, right? Mm. Just always expect, um, or, the, or my strategy is expect that it's that I'm going to, you know what I mean? If the man doesn't end no on the mute, it's my fault as well. Right. So there's no, own, yeah. there can't be any ownership. So in, in terms of just pivoting now to your new book, yeah. um, which we'll put a link into the show notes and yeah. guys, I've got about. 50 guys that I'm wanting, going to send the link so they can buy it because they need to read it who are stuck in this exact situation. I mean, I've told you, I even put a module, a bonus module in my yeah. course on narcissism. I had to. Yeah. Um, but just the definition of narcissists, you know, how do you define one? It's a, it's a bit of a, a, a gray area in a way, I guess. I think I, I was on a podcast of a, a personality here in Australia, Sammy Lucas, and the whole podcast was what's the difference between a bastard and a narcissist or a bitch, yeah. right? Well, a bitch or a bastard is just a selfish human being. A narcissist is their own entity against the world. It doesn't matter if you have given them four children, you've been with them for 25 years. It doesn't matter what happens to you, it's irrelevant. It only matters what's happening to them. So it's, it's like they're in this little bubble against the world and they basically don't give an F about anything except themselves and whatever they want doesn't matter if they have to trample over you trample over the children trample over your parents trample over anyone they'll just do it and I think with no consequence for me the confusing part is is the the nicest they're outward they're, they're the nicest people in the world mm. right and I and I often remember thinking with my ex, like oh, I wish she was treated me as nicely as she did to everyone else. Mm. Um, it's this huge need and this perception to be perceived as this perfect human. Um, 
which in a way is masking how broken they are, I guess. But but it's it's when you first try like stumble across narcissism, as much as it makes sense, I was in that sort of denial phase. What it can't be. Yeah. You know, did, did is is that something that you find common as well? Like as much as it um, made sense, I was like. Absolutely. And I think what the saddest thing is there, and that's another reason I wrote my book, is it's not bad. People, I think, the partners, we think it's bad to say, well, he or she is a narcissist. Like we're labelling them and we feel bad. But it's nothing to be bad or feel shameful about. They are who they are. And we've won the lottery by realising it because our lives would be in the toilet if we didn't. We would just... We'd just be in the gutter and they'd walk over us. And and here's, I mean, I've obviously done research, Not I'm sure not as much as you, but from my understanding, narcissists don't generally change, right? They are who they are. They're very, very consistent. There was a great YouTube, there's a, I can't remember the lady's name, but she's a uh, Indian professor at UCLA. She's done quite a few YouTube videos on narcissism. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says they're like a rubber band, right? They, you can kind of stretch them to be, more sort of uh, malleable yeah but then under pressure they're going to come back to to their state of self i'm not a therapist a psychologist a psychiatrist i mentioned that in everything i write i don't believe they can be um i don't believe they can be changed but then again there's like as we talk about um narcissism and both our mothers were there's a spectrum yes okay so my mother was one but she did have a heart so she was yes of course you know if you've got you know you come out you look lovely she'd say oh that's lovely but there was always the but and so as a child you grow up with that but and there's a hole that you you're not enough you're not good enough you're not clever enough you're not so you you get it whereas my ex-husband you know he's on the other spectrum he you know planned it had a partner throughout my pregnancy was with someone while we're trying to get pregnant, you know, just discarded me and discarded other partners along the way after me, much worse than me. Mm. And so there is a spectrum. So some, it's, you know, like I can say that, you know, they can be re- rehabilitated or I just think if you're with a narcissist, just run. I, <laughs> I don't care who you are. I just say just life is too short what what megan said (laughs) judy's just run yeah like god life is too complicated now yes you might love them but god go and find someone to love whole well that's and that's the you know that to me the the challenge is i think you you most people who and I think that goes for all relationships, not necessarily narcissists. Mm-hmm. If if you know people come out of a bad relationship, they love the version of the person they think they're with rather than the actual person. Mm-hmm. So you've had this idealism of who you want that person to be. That's if you're not whole. If you're whole, you can see the person for what they're like. For sure. And you don't want to change them. They yep. are who they are. Like if you want someone that's a CEO, CEO wearing smart suits and you're dating a tradie. Yeah. <laughs> That trade is never going to change into no. the CEO, yeah. you know. But a lot of women and men do that. They think they can change the person. And if you're not whole within, you will let yourself be changed. Absolutely. Because that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guilty as charged yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that for me, you know, just I guess for everyone listening in the similar situation, that comes from mommy-daddy issues. For me, it was just Luck. not never feeling good enough. 
Lack of self-worth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and for those people who, who know me are shocked by that because <clears throat> I'm generally this huge personality. He's up on big stages, and but I've never had that. And I'm getting there day by day, but I've never had that inner piece of just I'm good mm. enough mm. because mm. my parents never made me feel as if I was. Yeah. Yeah. Even at the end? No, I, I, they died without me speaking to them. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm sure because I'm, I'm really fortunate. This therapist came at the end of my mother's last year. Yeah. So I really saw who she was and I I had so much more compassion for her. Like instead of her me walking in and she'd say, God, you look dreadful, I'd laugh. Yeah, i have a giggle because yeah. that's what, who she was. Whereas before I'd get really defensive and I'd say, how dare you? Like I've just driven 12 hours to see you. Yeah. You know? Well, for me, you know, with with my my mom, I think a lot of the a lot of the work I've done recently is just just forgiving them and letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reality is, my mom, her when she was fifteen or sixteen, her dad had an affair and got on a boat to Wales because he was Welsh from South Africa. Um, went to Wales and died of a heart attack, and he never and oh. she never saw him again. So I grew up in this little one-bedroom flat with her mom who used to smoke and drink whiskey and water. Oh, wow. So that was that was her conditioning, so to speak. Right. Um, and then my dad was just under her spell, I guess, like I was, right? So okay. so I've I've the work I've done is say, you know what, mom, you're an asshole and you didn't treat me very well, but I forgive you. Because yeah. I understand, mm. you know, you're just a product of your environment. Yes, and that's what it is. Yeah. But also, she wanted you to be perfect. And she wanted you to have a bigger life, but also you're an extension of her. So whatever you were in the world, that was a mirror for her. Yeah. So the more perfect you are, which she wanted you to be, the more perfect she felt. Yeah, that's it. Yep. That's how it works. Yep. Yeah. Get that. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk about um, so the signs. I mean, there are tons, and we'll put a link to your book, which asks both your books for people. That's to, the million dollar question, and I've got to say, it really go. pisses me off. Go go. When you read all these things globally on these experts on how to know if you're dating a narcissist, how yeah. to know if you're, you know, it's absolute crap. It's absolute rubbish in what way i don't believe like signs that you're dating a narcissist like he has to be the you know the the loudest in the room that's rubbish yep. that's real rubbish they're cleverer than that they are so clever you know the, you know the i feel the only way you can know if you're with a narcissist once you married them you know is if you're dating them is to say no <laughs> There's a, so, so it's amen. Yes. There, Do you there, agree? There, absolutely. There's a, I when I when I stumbled across narcissism like two years ago, I, I watched every single narcissistic video on YouTube, so guilty as charged. But there was there's this one guy, oh, I can't remember his name, I think he's a UK Spartan trainer, he, but he talks a lot of narcissism. Mm. And he said, In today's video I'm gonna tell you how to judge a narcissist. Oh yeah. And it's forty five minutes. Yeah. And he says, just tell them no. And yeah. then he just sits there and sits still. <laughs> it was it's brilliant true. because the, the, the consequences of that no is enormous. Yeah, because they can't take no. No, 
No, absolutely not. And I, and I think a key point, once again, something else we've spoken about, which I want to go into is I was so convinced to put my ex into one of the four boxes, whether they're, a, you know, there's a the different okay. type of narcissist. Cause, cause yes, you, see, I don't the, like that either. The, mm. And I was confused by that. Oh, yeah. And then my next port of call was to reach out to my social circles, my friends and saying, I figured it out, she's a narcissist, which was the worst idea ever because not only they was- your one. Of course, but not only was I, you know, under the spell, but they were like, no, she's the nicest person ever. How could you possibly say that? So I think for everyone listening is it doesn't have to be one of those four boxes or however they diagnose them. And, and whatever you do, I know we have spoken about this, don't shout from the mountaintop because do. you're just going to come out looking yeah. terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the reason I wrote my book. So I was going back and forth to Byron from Sydney. And it was on a flight back. I picked up a, a book at an airport on psychopaths, which mm. I won't name the exact title of the book. And there was incorrect information in there. Mm. I thought, hold on a minute. And then I spoke to a couple of my clients later that week and they were reading it. They were, they were questioning some things about it. I was like, hold on. You don't have to tick all these boxes. They don't have to have rages. They don't have to be the loudest person in the room. It doesn't matter. They can have one of fifty, um, you know, um, you know, different personalities. Those attributes, yeah. Yeah. And I but struggled can... with that a lot, and when I was trying to figure and it out, and it's really bad. Mm. And that's why I wrote the book because I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I've lived it, and I know it more than they do. And that's what I have to say. The majority of the people that call me up and contact me say, "You get it." And that's why I wrote the book, because I want one person out there to realize that they can have one attribute, one personality trait, and that's enough. Because that person, their partner, will then go through the rest of my book and go, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. But you don't have to have the most, you know, loudest, confident person. You can have the most, a lot of the time they are so quiet, they're so charming. The they're silent so, assassin. Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Be very scared when you get home. Yeah. 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 So just another tangent, me and tangents. Have, have you had narcissists read your book and have a go at you? I've had recently. <laughs> Some women have a go at me, which I find really... At first, it was kind of like, oh, my God, this book's a mistake, you yeah. know? And then I just think, no, like, haters are always going to hate. Haters going to hate, man. Haters going to hate. And I just think, no, like, you're probably a narcissist yourself. That's why, you know, I'm exposing you. Um, but, yeah, I've had women after me. But men, um, a couple of men have gone, you know, it's about time, you know. Um, but the women have contacted me and go, you know, how dare you write this? I'm like... Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, I as a from your recent book, as I said, which I you know you're very kind enough to give me a pre-read, is just so spot on. Uh, finished it up last night, and I was just you know once again shaking. I was like, oh, it's like re it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's such a it's such a script, man. It's so predictable. Well, like reading through that is is know. is you know probably eighty five percent of your book was just like staring in the mirror. Well, yeah, it's in a, and it's just everyone I speak to as well. It's the same script, same well, patterns. That's, that's very flattering. Um, and I have to say, I had four men approach me all within a week, and um, as when I made contact with you, and they've all been reading the book and actually giving me yeah. some extra advice as well. And I just didn't realize how devastating it is for them, like. 
these men, um, their children are taken from them. Um, you know, one was, you know, one of the case studies. He was chosen basically to be a baby daddy. Like, yeah. And that's why when I was, I was when I met them and I thought I have to modify my book and I thought no no no, I have to write a book. I know it's for men, but also for women who are with, you know, a, yep. a woman because it's just next level crazy. And it's so, but what's the most devastating part is to the children because with all of these men that have the children, they're, they're young. And when they go back to the mother, this is what I found unfathomable is that I want to go with the mother. They want to stay with the father. Yep. And I just found that just heartbreaking. And so these men are such decent men. I was like, if only I can match make you with the women I'm seeing at the moment. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah, um, I'll leave you my card. Yeah, but, <laughs> Anyone want to live on the beach? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's just crazy that there's so much damage because the children are the ones that are, they're just using them as the collateral damage to hurt. Well, that, and that's, that's what I see, you know, and I'm going to keep my, kids consciously out of this conversation but just other people that i deal with it's, it's just you know my my strategy is 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 the safe space the consistency the boundary the calm the and that's all and for any of the dads and i'm speaking to a lot of them as well right is that's all you can offer right you can offer the consistency you can offer you have to offer the boundaries you have to you know it's just a place of love and calm with a completely open door that's a strategy mm. i've taken mm. i i know what happens i'm lucky about my kids 50 50 or my daughter eldest full-time but I, that's the, what i control mm, mm. and and it's worked well, really you know it's hard but but it's but it's you know, well, self-preservation well i never had to deal with that i just had her 100%. and then you know she went and he was the fun father yeah. and he was the you know disneyland dad and which must have stung, stung as well. There's no doubt. It did st- sting yeah. because it was unfair. Because you know, I used to take it to the caravan park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she loved the caravan park, yeah. and as much as he took her to all the fancy Hawaii and whatever, she just wanted him. She didn't yeah. want the fancy holiday. She just wanted him. Well, that's. I mean, it's, it's as cliche as it sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my older sister's dad. I still need a new iPhone. But I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. But it's. But it's. It's that's that's it, right? It's just that time. It's just mm-hmm. so precious, and and that's yeah. what I, I thought was once again just another compliment on on your book, where you said that, you know, you just wish that you'd invest that time and you had so much More to juggle, time. and it was just. Yeah. And and I'm you know with my it's, eldest you know i guess striving in three years that i'm getting to that realization like shit in three years time she's in a car and she's gone yeah and then then that's that's it i had no one to kind of mentor me and also i was caring for my parents as well so i'm one of three but i was the one that was living around the corner i was the one that was going daily doing the hospital visits and you know it was hell so and working full time in the financial markets so and no, no and pressure. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So when my daughter had yeah. the breakdown, it was kind of like, you know, it was overdue. The poor kid. Yeah. Shame. Mm. Sorry, it's South African yeah. thing. Shame. Yeah. So yeah, if yeah, we yeah, all yeah. say it. Shame. Shame. Yeah, shame. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We're used to it. Where we live. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the discard. Um, oh. which is the term of when narcissists are done with you. Yeah. Uh, generally, they've found someone else already before the discard. <laughs> 
Um, hence, hence my bonus modules in my course being infidelity and narcissism because they yeah. kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of people, um, they get completely blindsided by the discard, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. Me? I think every, everyone I've you, everyone I've spoken to gets a, it's a complete blindside situation mm-hmm. where you think you're in a happy relationship. Um, yeah. A lot of people only come to terms and realize narcissism oh. after the discard mm-hmm. um, when they you know, kind of reeling back from what's happened. Yeah. Just do you want to talk about that and what you've seen in that whole whole Well, that's why I wrote my book. Because if you see who they are before the discard, um, A, your divorce will be financially semi-okay. Yeah. If you don't, you're financially effed. Um, Because when you're discarded, you're you're just out of their life. Um. We can't comprehend that they could have told us that they loved us the day before. But today they've moved on, they've shacked up, they've moved overseas, they've moved cities. We're gone. We've had our, you know, clothes thrown out the front lawn, not that that happened to me. But we are yesterday's newspaper. And there's absolutely not a shred of emotional connection. There's nothing. Yeah, it's like the lights go off totally you are gone you are move out of the way my father got it way before i did and he said to me you have to get a financial settlement now he could see it yeah he didn't know he didn't grasp what it was but he just said he could feel it he just goes you've got got to move financially you know asap um and that's that's why i wrote my book basically that was the biggest thing was the discard to prepare before the discard yeah so, so I mean, just for those in the situation, just to hammer, you know, just want to half the point of the discard. It's just, I, th- I think you when like the word replace is probably the right word. I mean, for for me in my situation, you know, my ex was with a new partner, and it's just like life. Well, life just carried on. It's it's literally for tw- twenty years. It was like swapped out, and off they go, and no guilt, get no o- shame. Get over it. Yeah, okay. yeah, hard. Well, yeah, I know. Get over it. I'm weak. I'm weak. <laughs> My parents told like, did me. Did she? Did she say get over it? Oh, many times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah many times. But but it's but it's it's at that stage where if you haven't realised the narcissism, then you're having this behaviour. And I think for me, also the the huge lack of guilt or lack of shame again. It's just like no, how do you, how no. how do you walk like as a as a person for me was how do you walk down a street? They don't have any empathy. Exactly, and, that, and and that's and that where a lot of guys who don't understand narcissism go, like I can't, I can't, and that was where I was stuck for a while until mm. a friend of mine very kindly sent me a YouTube video, and I was like, yeah, it just I just well, I I think you know. it goes beyond empathy. I think a lot of them don't have a conscience at all because mm. they'll do anything, um, emotionally, sexually, yeah, and financially. So what more can they do? really nothing so so here, here's an interesting question is that the podcast i recorded last week was another friend of mine about domestic violence and the whole mm-hmm. you know she obviously got herself in the situation and her whole charity is about the red flags and early warning signs mm-hmm. if you get blindsided and from by a narcissist mm-hmm. how, how do you even realize because if i if i if i look at my life personally oh, okay you know what I mean? It's like, well, I thought we had just moved into a beach house and we were happy. Like, life was okay. See, I knew it wasn't. I knew, but I was pregnant. 
um, I knew basically the moment I got pregnant, it's like the lights went off. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, thanks for coming. See you. And I couldn't understand like what I was doing wrong. And I'm this pregnant woman and had that, um, that thing where you can't stop vomiting. Oh, wow. What princess, um, the Duchess of Cambridge had. So I had to quit work. Yeah. Um, being in a darkened room on my own in Hong Kong. And I kept on thinking, oh, you know, once the, the baby comes, everything mm. will be okay. We went on a, um, a holiday. Seven months I stopped being ill. We went to Phuket for a, a holiday. And the first night we went to a beautiful five-star resort. We went to the hotel for dinner and had this, you know, amazing dinner. And I said, okay, I'm going up. He said, I'm, I'll finish my wine. I said, okay. He finished his wine four hours later. <laughs> And on about day three, the fights were just so bad. I said, that's it. I'm done. Mm. I'm going home to Sydney. I'm leaving you. I'm done. I'm going to home and have the baby. This is not love. This mm. is, I just knew within me. And of course he, you know, talked me around. But if I wasn't in that vulnerable pregnant state, I would have gone. I just knew within me that the love had gone. And I knew it was just, this is not what a loving relationship is. And from your male clients, do, mm. do, do guys know that up front or they're com- generally blindsided? Because that's no, what I'm intrigued so, about. Okay, some do. Some know that the relationship, very similar to that, yeah. is not good. And so, But that's surely, sorry, not assuming once again that that must be linked to an infidelity on the side of all. No, not necessarily. No, 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 no. Just the relationship gone from this perfect thing to this, oh, my God, mm. like this is not living. Um but then some were blindsided. Um, no, the majority of them have it have not been like you and I, like totally blindsided. Um, the women, or a lot of the women, you know, the men have had double lives and <laughs> yes. you know families and yeah, you know the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I travel speaking, so I understand. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's. So the, I think you know, the great thing about your book is three parts, right? Mm. Understanding narcissism, what it yeah. is, what it is, and then and then you 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 your part two is preparing for Armageddon, Armageddon. which is amazing. Everything's upside from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so so just some advice about you know exit strategies if you. <laughs> If you listen, if people are just listening to this and they are, have got cold shivers down their spine, wherever you are in the world, going, oh shit. Um, just some advice for all the people that you've dealt with yeah. uh, in terms of, um, you know, just a good extra strategy to get your, get your ducks in a row. Yeah. Number one, do not tell them that they're a narcissist. <laughs> you know, the majority of the people that say to me, well, I've spoken to him and I told him he's a narcissist. So I was like, oh my God, you're just dead. Um, number two, do an audit of all your financials. Um, here in Australia, your savings account, you're allowed to put half of the savings into your own bank account. It's called preservative of funds, um, preserving the funds. Mm-hmm. I advise all my clients to do that because he or she will just go and, I don't know, do whatever. And is that if you in a de facto relationship or married? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just say do an absolute audit trail of everything you have and start preparing for the future don't look back just keep looking forward and start planning so where are you going to live you know who will stay in the house um it's not going to be amicable 
at all. Forget that. It's going to be wool. Um, go and see a lawyer, number one. Um, you might not employ that lawyer to represent you, but just know that your facts with the children because they'll always threaten you with, I'm taking the kids, you're not going to have the children because they know that you love them as every normal person does. And that's the, when they get dirty, they use the children. And I and a lot of the guys that I deal with have that exact yeah. fear, right? They, their kids just literally get taken away and and it's heartbreaking. Um, that's that's what I find really heartbreaking. That's why I wrote this book because mm. the parental alienation from the women, I was astounded. And that's why it's so beautiful that any Mini Money Mo Foundation. Yes. That is. You just want to talk about that? I know you mentioned your oh, book, but just that's just amazing. Like parental alienation is criminal, and I hope one day it becomes a, an offence. It's it's brainwashing your children. So for you out there that don't quite know what it is, is um, you could win 50-50 custody, but still when they're in the custody of the narcissistic parent, whatever sex they are, they are basically brainwashing them. They're saying horrible things about the other parent. And they also do it in a blackmailing, a pseudo blackmailing form that the children are to wake up until they do wake up and that, or some don't. And what happens a lot is that the children go to live with the narcissist and then they're actually alienated from the, the normal parent and it's absolutely heartbreaking. So it's something that you can't think it's going to get better. It will get worse. Yeah, and that's the dangerous game. And I, I know one of the guys I'm speaking to and actually a friend of mine as well, his, uh, his ex, uh, he, he's got a new partner and, the, you know, the, the kids didn't want to meet this partner because she just... The, the ex-narcissist just spoke her as if she was the worst human on earth. And I know she's a lovely, she's a lovely lady, but, yeah. but, but the poor kids were like refused to meet the dad's new girlfriend around that situation. And it caused huge, huge issues. But I wouldn't push it. I just, yeah. you know, let that happen. And because if you push that more, that's kind of feeding into her. Well, I've had that situation with my kids flowing to their mom, right? And I've just... As, as heartbreaking as it is and I sit on my friend's couch having a cry, it's you've just got to let that flow. It's like anything, right? It's like, it's, it's you know, the laws of attraction. If you, if someone doesn't want to be with you, then they're, they're not going to be with you, right? The yeah. more you try to convince yeah. them to be with you, yeah. the more repulsed and, mm. you know, forced off. And, mm. and, and that's, that for me has been one of the hardest things I've had to do yeah. is, is let my kids go for the majority of the time. But I've, you know, luckily I had very good friend structure around me. So just, Give it time, right? Give it time. And two, three months later, then the flows, you know, then it goes back to 50 yeah. 50. Because, yeah. you know, as always, the grass is not always greener. Yeah, yeah. No, I never had to deal with that. Yeah, no, you just, you were just full on. <laughs> I don't know what a weekend off is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, life after narcissists. Mm, um, it takes a while. Yeah. It takes a long while. And I think I think you've attracted narcissists in the past. You will continue to, to attract them until you're really cured. I'm married one, another one. Mm -hmm. um, I had not had the therapy. I had not dealt with anything. Um, I didn't know, you know, I when the marriage went bad, he was playing off of me. I left. Because I'm a strong moral person when I know it's not right, it's not right, but still couldn't get to the core why I was attracted to a, another cheater. 
until years later I had the right therapy. But like being in Byron and the last thing I wanted to do was ever have a relationship or whatever, I was approached by three narcissists. And I think that was my last test. And on paper, years before, I would have definitely gone out with them. They were, you know, shiny, wealthy, everything was fabulous. But I had this feeling like, nope. So not putting you in the why I'm putting you in the spot yet, <laughs> but what, why do you feel at the time you were attracting narcissists or those people? Um, a narcissist like shiny, positive, ambitious, you know, I was successful, um, you know, I think I wanted what they wanted to. Um, my first husband, you know, I grew up in, you know, the right part of Sydney, mm. went to the right schools, um, you know, I go to the races and speak to the Prime Minister. I wasn't glamorised, money didn't, you know, startled me. Um, whereas my husband came from the wrong side of the tracks. He went to university six years at night. He was desperate to get to the top. Yeah. So he needed that partner who could do, you know, play the tennis, play the golf, do the horse riding, all that, the country clubs. Because um, that, as, as you allude to in your book, that makes them, that pulls them up to a status that they want to be, right? Absolutely. And anyone who says you don't have to do that in corporate world, you do. Of course you do. Yeah. yeah. Every Sunday we're on the boat, you know, water skiing, golfing, horse riding, you name it. Um, so I've lost my train of thought. No, the, so, so the, the, the question was, is that, and, and, and I, the reason I ask is because it's, it's work I'm doing as well, is why you, you, you felt you were attracting narcissists? Oh, because um, they love bomb me mm. um, and they chase me. Like I was even talking to my daughter this week when I met her father. I was in the money market. I was out three nights a week. I was on dates all the time. But when he came along, it was like, boom, four dozen roses the next day, mm. gone. No one else. Um, he loved bombed me like no one loved bombed me. Second one did the same. Mm. You know, fancy weekends everywhere, helicopters, whatever. You know, it was a rush. It was someone really adores me. Mm. And I had that lack in me of not being loved enough. So, so all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, this is just you know, exciting, <laughs> let's just lap it up. And, you know, diamond necklace on the, t you know, the top of the rainbow room in New York and, you know, Chateau in the, in the... I'll take your word for it. I haven't <laughs> yeah, done you that. Know, like, <laughs> no, nuts, no, I don't, know. <laughs> really, <laughs> crazy stuff. So, yeah. so, I mean... And I, whereas he, now, if someone sent me four dozen yeah. roses, I'd be like, nah, -uh, see ya. Uh, Parachute, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and that's, and, and, and I mean, reading through the lines and the work I'm doing is, is that self-love, right? Is, is Absolutely. That, is, is, that, is that, do you think? It was, it was like this guy in Byron um, who was after me. He had the three fancy cars, you know, the house on the beach and the uh, whiskey and whiskey and that, that would have impressed me mm. like even five years earlier. But I was like, no way. Yeah. I could just feel it. Yeah. So what did you do from a, like, I guess, a spirituality work for, for that self-love, which is, which is as I'm evolving and figuring out is the key, mm. right? Because 
I, I think we need to sit with ourselves and be so content in our own space. I think um, it's forgiving. Like, as you said with your parents, mm. like, it's quite sad that your parents are up there and they're apologising. I, I just not because I believe in clairvoyance and mediums. So do I. It's just yeah. been a full moon, so I've been... <laughs> That's a really good one. It's like this. No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We've been, we've been, we've been clearing some stuff. <laughs> it's like me and Byron. And, um, I'm not unhappy. Yeah, me either. That's what people said. I was a life coach from Byron. I had this banker in Sydney. He goes, but she's a life coach from Byron. And my friend had to say that she's 25 years in the financial markets. He goes, okay, I'll speak to her. <laughs> um, but you have, I had to forgive. So I had to forgive my mother who, she adored me. She just wanted me to be perfect because I was a, an extension of her. Mm. Whereas I find that this is what I'm querying. My brother was like the bright and shiny, perfect everything. Like he was just basically told he was amazing. But the girls in the family, we're the ones that are criticised normally. Mm-hmm. So the, the boy normally escapes. So it's but your mother was a single mum. No, no, she wasn't. No, oh. she, she, her mom was a single mum. Her mom. mother, yeah. yeah. Her dad yeah. sort of ran away when yeah. she was in 16 or something. So normally the girls just get it, not the boys from the mother. Yeah. Oh, my sister's one as well. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, they probably got it even more vicious. <laughs> no, yeah. she's fierce. Yeah. Um, so, so you, so forgiving her was major. Mm. It's like years ago when I had to forgive my first husband um, because I was going to die of cancer. I just hated him. Well, I mean, Eckhart Tolle always carries on about toxicity in the body, right? And and, yeah. ha- and hanging on to that stuff. And it's <clears throat> and Bessel's book is amazing. Which one's that one? Um, Bessel van der Kolk, The um, Body Keeps the Score. You must have mm. everyone you know read it. Okay. It's, it's proven <laughs> that... It's, is is that in terms of just internalizing all your mm, your hate, I guess, mm, and your anger? Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 you know when you, he's world like yeah. leader in it. Oh, all yeah. the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when, yeah. but here's I guess I guess the tricky part for for guys and and I I specifically like I was going to put a module on dating oh, in my yeah. in my course. Just, but just I believe you should because this is another reason why. I do my work because, and this is what I'm going to do moving forward. I'm going to do um, in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. I'm going to do evenings because the narcissist moves on (laughs) before they get to the front door, right? They've either got someone else or they will have someone with him before we can make dinner. We are left to um, scratch our heads and work through all our stuff to figure it all out then we get to the point we've had a couple of bad relationships and we repeat the pattern and then we start to see the light but then we're not out there having the full life that we should but they are i truly believe that so i truly this is the whole reason Mm. i wrote my book is because we spend so long in the wasteland that it actually we waste time of course you do i mean i i i said openly between the first affair and this I, I became for those who know me they struggle with this but a recluse yeah like I literally retracted for eight years I almost lost a decade of my life yeah like I lost my 30s yeah wow. I came to Australia and I had like one mate I didn't have any friends and this is me who's the person who was like everything was my I was like the social yeah. hub of everything right yeah, yeah um and I lost yeah I lost years but the reason I say I'm like 
just pulling back to the dating thing mm. is to me it's so important to find calm let go of the hate understand mm. your patterns before you go out because oh, yes. a lot of guys specifically and, and and for me the the loneliness in the beginning was dreadful right mm. that was just brutal but you end up attracting and being with the same person just because of loneliness mm-hmm. and then you remarry and then you end up in the mm-hmm. same pattern hence me going wait a sec guys stop stop breathe yeah. and yeah. and just and and be in a i mean because if you say to someone who and you know most people you and i probably deal with are just pissed off right and fair enough so like oh you need to forgive and you need to find zen and they're like <laughs> fuck you right? yeah. like oh you know what I mean? i'm gonna just you know i'm gonna go yeah. drinking i'm gonna go on tinder stuff well <laughs> my standard line right yeah. going tinder your mate's advice going tinder yeah. and drink i'm like yeah like, that works for a while um yeah. <laughs> but it's the reason i've held off for that module is because there's so much work and me and my like I, you know, as much as I'm investing in all of this is trying to figure out and be so comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that when I find the right person, yeah. it's 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 just well that's cool and we're gonna compliment each other, but it's not everything. Exactly. And, it's and like that the line that I put I hate that line in that um Jerry Maguire. Oh, you complete <laughs> me. I hate that. I like show me the money. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like no one completes anyone. You compliment. Yeah. Mm. But when we're broken, we don't see that. No. Or we think, oh, I'm just going out with this person because it's not, it's casual. Or, but then you fall in love. And then you get into the same trap. And yeah. So, yeah. But set up the evenings, I'll be your MC. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Just no. give me a microphone. No, we should, I'll be fine. We should just <laughs> meld, you know, our clients. Sunny coast. Yeah. yeah. Sunny yeah. coast, all the surfer boys. Okay, guys, you got to wear shoes tonight. What? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's start wrapping things up, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, your top three <clears throat> tips. Oh. Five tips or just any, someone who's listened to this podcast to please buy Megan's book. It's amazing. If you think you're in this position, I'll put links up in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um someone who says come out of the rinse cycle let's 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 finish off on a positive note Mm -hmm, i guess mm -hmm. what are your three best key advices to start putting yourself back together because you know as i i say in my course it's this is not a six weeks recover from divorcing it's a long thing you know you go through cycles you go through patterns and yeah what what advice would you give guys and girls um you know who's starting to try and get their life back together invest in yourself just like you you're doing and I did, um, you know, find really good people. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter what they are, life coach, divorce coach, um, psychotherapist, whatever, find really good people and invest in them. Um, live, really, really live. Like, you know, whatever you were held back to do, which you would have, get out and do it. Number three, what would I say? I'd say don't rush into a relationship. You know, it will come, you know, love yourself more before finding someone else. Mm. Like, do not go there. And I'm laughing because I, as, as most humans are, they, everyone says, oh, the perfect person will come when you're not looking. And you're like, fuck you, man. You know, you're not the one sitting at home alone every night when, in the early days, you know, when, you, yeah. when, you, when you're struggling. <laughs> shit advice. You know it's right, but you're like, Ugh. that's why i chuckling yeah. at that. Yeah, no, do not just just 
get happy within yourself. Mm. And that's the thing I see because I'm on a lot of divorce forums and I see all these men and women like, oh, can you give me some dating advice? You know, I've broken up from my husband and I'm dating this person. And it's like a three-month gap. It's like you're in for a fall. Mm. Like just stop. Mm. Stop and be alone. I've I've been alone for the past, you know, six years and Mm. it's probably the most I've grown throughout my whole life. And is that when the main growth happened? You said is the the Byron narcissist not interested in Yeah. Dumped yeah. my partner, sold my home, everything. Yeah. And realized the problem wasn't external, the problem was me. Yeah. But that's hard, right? That's the hard stuff, the inside work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, and, and yeah. as, as someone who's doing, you know, a lot of that but stuff it, myself. But it's really strange how the universe pushes you to do the right thing at the right time mm. because I met the best ther- therapist. He's a global expert and he's in Byron. And um, he's just amazing. In the first session, I just cried and cried and said, like, why didn't I find you, you know, 15 years ago? Like that, a lot of the time, like I had some therapy and realized some stuff beforehand where I changed my career and all that Mm. kind of stuff. But the real deep, deep, it's like I never knew until that point that my mother was a narcissist and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I still went... But he, but he has the thing as well. I'm talking about when you receive the information is key because I, I had an amazing therapist on the Sunshine Coast who I refer to a lot in my course. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant. But um, that friend of mine sent me that video on narcissism and I was like, holy shit. As I said, it's like reliving my life and I was just like, oh. and I just sat there on YouTube all night. I literally didn't sleep. I was just taking in this, I'm a bit of a sponge. And I phoned him up and I said, I need an appointment tomorrow. <laughs> I've cracked the Da Vinci code. And so I, he hadn't mentioned that before? No, it's, this is where this greatest story yeah. is. Yeah. Sat down on the couch, said, you're not going to believe this. I said, she's an ass. And he looks at me and he says, I told you that in your second session, but you weren't ready to hear it just yet. Oh. And to me, I was like, so what do you mean? He said, look, it's three notes. He says, yeah. But the key for me, once again, was that at that time, I wasn't ready to take that information mm-hmm. on. And the same information I've given guys or I've received myself, you know, you're not ready. The universe is not ready for you to receive that and mm. absorb that. I had to go through <laughs> through through a long time of struggling it out, and that's that's also key. Is just be patient with yourself. Yes. You know, yes. just be patient. Yeah. Um, as a mm. very fast moving moving human, it's hard for yeah. me sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, that was really hard for me. I'm not mm. used to being patient ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want everything now. Yeah. yeah so I mean, when the relationship was fast moving, it's like cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I get you. Right. Let's go. That's magic. Okay. So let's talk about the new book. We have talked about a lot. Um, where can people find it? You said Amazon. <clears throat> well, at the moment. At the moment. Um, next week it will be on my website. Yes. Megan.holgate.com. But it will be on Amazon very soon. Within okay. The next we'll few put weeks. links up in the show notes yeah. for all of that. Yeah. Um, what's next for you? Beside Meganholgate.com for people to get hold of you. Yes. Thank you. Insta. Megan.Holgate. Okay, we'll we'll put all the links up so everyone (laughs) can click through. The next book is for um, men and women um, in either work, business, with a narcissist, either a colleague or a boss or a business partner. As I mentioned to you, I share an office with someone who who needed that book a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. And your daughter's book, we'll put a link. Is that, when's that going to come out? Um, Sometime this year. So, yeah, that'd be good for anyone with um, any children with eating disorders or yeah. partners yeah 
Brilliant. And in terms of are you running any seminars, workshops, or do you mainly do one-on-one co- coaching, or what's um, the? I'm hopefully um, getting ready to do some retreats. Hopefully in Byron later in the year. Nice. Um, recover, rejuvenate, and reignite following either a relationship or a, a corporate endeavor with a narcissist. So okay. Yeah. And what are that? I mean, what what is your? I know it's obviously early days. Are you looking at a bit of yoga in there as well? Yeah. Or... Yoga. Yeah. Swimming, um, you know, some coaching, nutrition, um, yeah. you know, like come come shattered and go home feeling fantastic. And isn't one of the Hemsworth single now as well? <laughs> yeah. It's been all over yeah, the radio. They, they were my neighbours. Were they? Yeah. Is it the one who broke up with Miley? Yeah. Yeah. Believably, so there maybe you can hook up with a Hemsworth. <laughs> My daughter might. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'll hook up with a Hemsworth. He's got enough money, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for reaching out, and I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed the conversation. Um, yeah, as I said, please read Megan's book. Um, reach out to either of us for help if you're mm. struggling. If the stuff doesn't make sense, then you know, as as I evolve in this space just communicate reach out and ask for help i think that's all we can all we can do Mm. so thank you so much thank you for having me good night